0: Some things in medicine have come and gone like trends of the past. Diseases such as polio and smallpox have had their time of massive popularity. But thanks to the continual march of modern medicine, we have been able to relegate some of history's deadliest diseases to the books, or at least to relative obscurity. Despite this, one malady has never fallen away from the forefront of medicine. Pneumonia, described 2500 years ago by Hippocrates, is thought to be possibly the greatest killer of man of all time, and still, one of the top causes of death worldwide today. On internal medicine, you'll be handed a patient presenting with possible pneumonia. You will need to consider carefully who this patient is, where they have been, and where they should go. Today, our patient has pneumonia and you are the doctor. A podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is on community-acquired pneumonia, otherwise known as CAP. You are given a consult for a 76-year-old female who comes into the emergency room with three days of shortness of breath, productive cough, fever, and generalized weakness. As with every patient you are seeing for the first time, begin by assessing for stability. At the bedside, take a moment to evaluate whether your patient looks acutely unwell, assess their work of breathing and oxygen requirements, and determine their level of consciousness. Have a look at their most recent vital signs. If any of these features concern you, don't hesitate to ask for help right away. Classical symptoms you may elicit on the history include cough, fever, pleuritic chest pain, dyspnea, and sputum production. Patients may also experience abdominal symptoms and mental status changes. There are no symptoms or consolation of symptoms, however, that are particularly sensitive for the diagnosis of pneumonia. Eliciting key past medical history is also important to guide your plan. Patients with underlying lung disease, like COPD, are likely to need more aggressive and adjunctive management. Immunocompromised patients may need additional or broader antimicrobial treatment. You'll want to consider whether bronchoaspiration is a factor in this presentation. Consider your patients' risk factors for multi-drug-resistant organisms. While emerging guidelines do not advocate for universal broad coverage of patients who regularly access healthcare facilities, always evaluate the patient in front of you. Have they grown resistant organisms in the past? Are they known to be colonized? These factors will help you select appropriate antimicrobials later on in this encounter. On physical exam, the most common findings will be fever, increased respiratory rate, and crackles on chest auscultation. Like the history, no one finding or cluster of findings are particularly predictive of pneumonia. Nonetheless, a good examination, including a volume assessment, complete cardiorespiratory exam, and mental status assessment, will be important in building your clinical assessment and ensuring that you are not missing another diagnosis. examination are crucial components in making a diagnosis of pneumonia. At this point, some simple tests can aid in solidifying your diagnosis, help you stratify severity, and guide your management. Routine blood tests will usually have been done by the emergency physician by the time you see the patient. An elevated white blood cell count, usually with a leftward shift or predominant neutrophilia, is the most common lab abnormality in pneumonia. Other blood work abnormalities such as electrolytes and renal function may reflect a patient's baseline comorbidities or could be a result of the active infectious process. Diagnostic tests such as sputum and blood cultures are not routinely recommended in all comers, but can be useful in certain circumstances, particularly in the critically ill. Adequate sputum cultures are often difficult to collect and the yield is frequently low for isolated a culprit pathogen. Nasopharyngeal swabs, otherwise known as NPS, may be useful if your patient has elements in their history and physical more suggestive of viral infections. Given that the culprit pathogen is not easily isolated in the majority of cases, standard treatment is empiric and directed the most common pathogens causing pneumonia. These are streptococcus pneumonia, mycoplasma pneumonia, haemophilus influenza, and chlamydiophila pneumonia. Importantly, do not forget respiratory viruses, especially during the peak winter months. A chest x-ray should always be performed on a patient you suspect may have pneumonia. An infiltrate on chest x-ray is required for the diagnosis of pneumonia according to the IDSA and ATS guidelines. However, in clinical practice, you may not see an infiltrate on the chest x-ray early on in the process. When you do see changes, you may see lobar consolidation, interstitial infiltrates, or even cavitation on a chest x-ray. Further chest imaging, such as a CT scan, is not routinely indicated. your patient with community-acquired pneumonia, there are a few key elements in your initial management plan. First is disposition. Is your patient okay to be managed as an outpatient or do they require hospital admission? If they do, do they need critical care? Your assessment of their presentation along with their social situation and comorbidities will guide this decision, but clinical prediction tools are also available to stratify patients. The Pneumonia Severity Index, otherwise known as the PSI, is the most validated tool and predicts mortality based on a number of patient factors. The CURB-65 score is also commonly used and requires fewer input variables. Ultimately, your clinical judgment based on the complete patient picture should lead your decision-making for patient disposition and management. Today, we will focus on the patient who requires hospitalization. and IV fluids. We've just reviewed the most common pathogens in CAP. The recommended therapies are either a respiratory fluoroquinolone or a beta-lactam plus a macrolide. Moxifloxacin or levofloxacin are the common fluoroquinolone choices and your go-to for penicillin allergic patients. A common beta-lactam and macrolide combination would be ceftriaxone and azithromycin. Other beta-lactam options include cefotaxin and ampicillin. Antibiotics should be initiated as soon as possible, ideally in the emergency room. Duration of therapy should be a minimum of five days, and this may be tailored depending on clinical course. Hospitalized patients are frequently started on IV antibiotics. However, these should be reassessed daily for possible transition to oral agents as the patient gets better. Of course, if there is a strong suspicion of viral infection and the patient is presenting during peak flu season, empiric treatment for influenza with Tamiflu, otherwise known as oseltamivir, should be considered while awaiting the NPS results. Finally, look at your patient and assess the need for adjunctive therapies. Does your patient meet criteria for sepsis and need early fluid resuscitation? Does your patient have COPD and do they meet the criteria for steroids? Is your patient able to oxygenate and ventilate sufficiently, or would they benefit from non-invasive ventilation? Be sure to attend to patient care issues like pain, nausea, DVT prophylaxis, and delirium management. Make sure that you involve allied health to optimize patient mobility and function. Your ultimate goal is to get your patients safely through this illness, minimize their time in hospital, and discharge them on their way back to their baseline functional status. Phew! Like Hippocrates and millions before you, you have now diagnosed and treated the oldest disease in the book. While pneumonia may have been around forever, the patient population with ever-expanding lists of comorbidities and the bugs with evolving colonization and resistance patterns have kept things interesting and challenging. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Internet Work. Special thanks to Dr. Christine Matusiak, Internal Medicine Resident, for writing this podcast, as well as Dr. Daniela Leto, Infectious Disease, and Dr. Daniel Brandt-Vegas, Internal Medicine, for editing this podcast. This episode was produced by Alison Lai, music production by Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. This is The Internet Work. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and hope to see you again soon.